The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now, leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. There you can ask a question via the listener inquiry button, as well as listen to old archive shows. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you both in your little square again. Good morning, Scott. Hi, Don. Yeah, good morning, Andy. Everybody have a good uh, Easter holiday and such, I hope? Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, you know what? You what much. great weather! It was so good that we could social distance outside. Yeah, about time, right? We had mm-hmm. fun. We did a we did a drive around and uh, gave someone some gave people Easter treats from the car and said hi. So that was fun. Too. Just fired them out the window. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, nice nice thing about Easter rate. is you actually get to hide stuff. <laughs> you just throw it into the garden. <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to pass along uh, an anecdotal story of mine because I know a, a lot of time you guys answer questions uh, in regard to what your services are and is it worth it and the, you know, the commission you get paid and, and how you get paid and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, you've talked at length about, you know, it's just not about uh, mutual funds or what have you. It's, it's the whole picture, whether it's insurance, whether it's um, mortgages, what have you. It, it, you guys know what's going on. And, and the benefit that, that I've had with dealing with you guys for the last, I guess, like 15 years now, is that if I have a question, even though it's not related to IG, uh, of which obviously I'm a customer, um, I, I can still get great advice. And I had one of those situations happen. Um, I'm not going to bore you with the details, but basically uh, mortgage rates have been extremely low and it was a good time for us to rebalance some things and, and renegotiate. So we did that at uh, a bank. And, and I'll be very honest, I, I normally don't use banks for mortgages. I have had a great mortgage broker over the years that's uh, you know done the service for me. But they use bank mortgages, and in this case, a Scotia Bank mortgage. So when it was time to, to blend it or, or renegotiate it, that's the only avenue I had. So I did all of my due diligence, and, and, and I called the person, and this is all documented on email, and was given a certain rate and what my payments would be and such, and there we go. I thought, I'm in. But, of course, I wanted to do my due diligence first, speak with you people, uh, my mortgage broker, other people. I get back to this person well within a week uh, to set up a meeting, but however, with our schedules, uh, we can't meet till 10 days later. When we finally do, she tells me that rate is not value uh, is not valid anymore because it's been 10 days. The rates were only valid uh, for seven. Uh, However, she didn't tell me that, nor was that stated in any of the email uh, correspondence that we had. And again, maybe have mentioned that I would have scheduled the meeting a day earlier instead of waiting till after the weekend. So long story short was I lost out on that rate. And, you know, it's a small amount, but to me it was the principle of the thing. You know, you guaranteed me a rate. Mortgage brokers, banks, they, I mean, they all do that. And, and again, just not informing me that it was within uh, seven days. I, I, I questioned her on it. I asked to speak to the manager. I got nowhere. She didn't even put me in touch with the manager. And so lo and behold, I, my wife and I rushed to get this 
done for at least the rate, the second rate that they gave us, even though it was more than the first rate, just to get it done and signed. And I thought about it afterwards. And, you know, again, it wasn't a great amount, but it's the principle. You told me this much. I honored the agreement and they admitted they were wrong. Uh, and in a subsequent call, when I eventually did get to the manager, uh, she knew about it and, and agreed that it was wrong, but they would only uh, offer me the second rate. So again, I talked to you guys about it, and, and you said that's wrong, and you should go back. And I did. And uh, I, I, I finally got a hold of the manager, as I said, and uh, she said, give her some time. I did. She came back with a deal. And basically what I was missing out on was about $2,500 worth of interest over the course of the five years. She said she was had come up with this great deal and was going to give me half. <laughs> so 1200 and something, half of the whatever. And again, it's like, you know, when you think about it in little small bits of, 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 uh, of, of rating points or of, of percentage points, it's not much. Much, but over the course for this, it was $2,500. So theoretically, they owe me $2,500. She offered me half of that. And to me, that was like, well, you broke my window, but you're only going to pay to fix half of it. Uh, this was after admitting the mistake. This was after uh, the manager admitting the mistake and not doing something and having me do the end run in order to find her. I finally did get restitution in the sense that I got half my money back, which I would not have gotten had I not chatted to you two and said, what should I do about this? It just doesn't seem right. So I'm glad I got at least something back, but I'm still really ticked that they didn't give me the rest. Because again, to me, it's like fixing half of a broken window. So where is the value in a Don or Andy? Right there. Uh, you know, someone can set you straight and saying, here's what your rights are, here's what you should have. So again, I appreciate them at least making an offer. But again, I still got half a broken window in my mind. <laughs> well, thanks, Scott. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, a true yeah, financial planner has a fiduciary duty to look after the client's best interests. And that's literally what fiduciary means. And so we're looking after your best interests, regardless if we, o- we also offer mortgages. So I know, um, and you dealt with the mortgage broker previous to this. So, yeah. And I know when we're dealing with our clients, as soon as they talk to our mortgage specialist, that day is recorded, and they then kind of lock in that rate as of that day. Yeah. And, and it's all documented, and boy, would we ever get flack if they didn't honor that rate. Mm-hmm. So I know, and that's never happened, by the way. Um, they always honor the rate. In fact, they go out of their way to make sure they honor that rate and, and let people know when they, it expires. So in knowing what we do at our side to make sure clients get the rates that they should, it should be an extension to the whole industry that that's what other institutions should do. And, and, you know, I should also clarify, I did look at the IG route, but just with what we were doing, because we were right in the middle of a mortgage, it just didn't make sense for us because we would be breaking it and paying uh, a penalty for that. Now, five years from now, when this one expires, <laughs> I'm certainly going back to my old ways. But yeah, I mean, we did look at all of the avenues and this was the best one for us. And, and blending, and we've said this on yeah. the air quite a lot lately, blending is a great way to do it. Um, the rates are low and there's no cost to blend. So you're basically blending whatever's left on your your current, say, five-year mortgage, and then locking up the extra time with the new five-year mortgages, and and there's no cost. So absolutely, and that was the advice we gave you, Scott, to blend your rate with your institution. And again, 
our self-interest isn't there. We just want to get you the best rate possible. And again, if you're ever questioning what the value is of a proper financial planner who covers all aspects of this, there you go. There's there's my uh, there's my membership paid for. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. No, and uh, and I'm, I'm glad you persevered too. A lot of times uh, the advice goes out, and, and it's not always not everybody always executes on that. So you made the decision and you followed through. So congratulations. Hey, I wanted to talk to you guys. I'm going to bridge over to um, old age security, and uh, this is something that we actually got a, an email from a, a listener who was going through the OAS decision recently and had taken their old age security at 65 and was sort of found out afterwards that there uh, there were options. You could defer it till as, as late as age 70. And um, I think just the general information out there, people normally think about 65 for their old age security. So they, she, she asked if we could make that part of a show one, one week. And so I thought I'd touch briefly on some of the OAS ins and outs. And I mean, old age security is a big leg of our retirement stool that we have, the, the, the three-legged stool, which is our pensions, et cetera, our savings, and the, these government benefits. And really, there's four different types of benefits under old age security, uh, that income security program. There's OAS, which everyone gets. There's GIS, guaranteed income supplement, as well as the allowance and the allowance for a survivor. And those benefits are geared towards lower income individuals. So what is OAS? Well, it's basically a monthly income tested, income tested, I'm going to say that again, benefit for Canadians that are 65 years of age or older. And that monthly in income is taxable. You have to include it in your income uh, for the year and pay tax on it as well. And you're eligible for it once you've uh, reached age 65 or older. Um, you must have been a you must be either a Canadian citizen or a legal resident. Uh, you may have spent time outside of Canada, and there are special situations around that as well. But a minimum of 10 years. So you have to be have lived in Canada for a minimum of 10 years after age 18 to qualify. And um, you have to live, if you're living outside of Canada, the question often comes, can I still, if I retired to Mexico, for example, can I still get my old age security? And yes, you can, if you've lived in Canada for at least 20 years. Uh, so that there's a couple of different time frames in terms of eligibility, but basically, uh, depending on where you live and how long you've been living in Canada, uh, you can qualify for the whole amount if you've had the 40 years. And... Um, so that full pension, if you've lived here for 40 years, uh, is also can be factored in in terms of shorter years. So if you lived here only 20 years, you get a partial uh, benefit amount, and that would be basically 20 uh, years out of 40, so 50% of the benefit. That's the way it would be calculated, the number of years over 40. And then there's also the enhanced benefit amount. And so you can defer you're taking your old age security up to five years to age 70. And for every year that you defer, every month, I should say, that you defer, you get an additional 0.6%. 0.6% for as maximum of uh, 60 months. So that's 36% increase, pretty decent enhancement. And the other thing about the benefit amount from old age security is it's fully indexed. They call it the COLA, the cost of living adjustment. So and literally every three months, you will get an increase based on that cost of living adjustment. So a lot of people want to know kind of what's the crossover point? How, how, will, how long do I have to live? Should I, should I wait or, or take it early? And, um, you know, so there's no doubt that deferring your old age security means that you're going to get um, uh, a, a lifetime income. 
uh, you're going to get a higher amount. And it sort of looks after that longevity risk, right? So that's, uh, that's a key component. And, you know, whether that crossover point is earlier or later will depend on a number of things. For example, some people don't need their OAS and they, they can reinvest it. And that's going to be a key factor. Uh, what date you actually start, and, of course, the annual indexing rate. But basically, if you deferred one year from 65 to 66, that would be a 7.2% increase, which is $44 per month, or about 530 bucks a month a year for life. So you can see it starts to add up, and we can chat a little bit more about it. I know we're going to go to break right now, but I'll, uh, I've got a few more uh, tips and strategies around the old age security. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now and leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. You can listen to old shows there and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call them now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out their website at andyanddon.com. You can listen to old shows there via the archive button or ask a question. Uh, through the listener inquiry button. We were talking about old age security here, Andy. Yeah, old age, old age security, and a listener had asked us just to sort of touch on some of the benefits of the deferral of the old age security. So we just touched on that, an extra 0.6% per year or per month. And, you know, it adds up over the course of the year, five years up to age 70, it's 36%. But even over uh, one year, it's an extra $44 a month increase. So um, it's worth considering. But one of the other sides of this coin, I'm going to come back in a second, but one of the other side of the coin is the old age security clawback. And so for those retirees that are doing well, uh, this is an extra 15% tax. And really what it is, this is part of that income test that's associated with old age security. And so for every dollar that you earn over a threshold, they claw back 15%, 15 cents. And so really, if you think about it, your, your tax rate, if your marginal tax bracket, that's, that's the rate of tax you pay on the last dollar that you earned. Um, let's say, you know, at the threshold where it starts to claw back is $80,000. So if you make $80,000 a year, you're in a 30% marginal tax bracket. That just bumped you up by 15% to 45%. You went from 30 to 45% on that income over 80000 up to... 129,000. So there's the bracket, basically 80,000 to 129,000, clawed back 15% for every dollar. So you zero out at 129,000. But as soon as you get over around 90,000, 93,000, you're actually in a 44% tax bracket. And uh, that, with another 15% on tax, takes you up to 59% marginal tax rate uh, by the clawback, including the clawback of the old age security. So um, so currently, the maximum you can get is six hundred and fifteen dollars and thirty-seven cents per month. So a little, little under seventy-four hundred a year. So if you're thinking about a couple, you know that's fifteen thousand a year of additional income that you're receiving through old age security, and uh, indexed to inflation for life. 
So there's a few other things that old age security falls under that same category, guaranteed income supplement, and that is an additional income for low-income earner individuals, uh, $18,648 or less. There's an allowance threshold, so if, you, um, if your partner or spouse has died before age 65 and hasn't received anything, you can get uh, uh, up, and you earn less than 25000 you can get a supplement from that as well. So, you know, I think the big takeaway on all of this is what's the strategy around starting this early versus uh, leading it to age 70? And obviously, it, as I said, it addresses the longevity risk that we all face when we think about retirement and, um, and locks in this income for our lives. And so the thought process about being able to get a larger income stream from this after age 70 is kind of appealing if you're concerned about longevity. And, uh, you know, roughly it, it takes to about age 83, 82, uh, all things being equal to break even in terms of the amounts you receive. And then anything above that, you're clearly better off to have waited. Um, but so the, the thought process, again, comes back to what's the strategy? If you can withdraw income from other sources during the period from 65 to 70, and do that tax effectively. And really what the think the process might be is Don and I would look at it too, say how could we spend or keep, spend or, or redeem other assets so that your income br- uh, bracket, once you start receiving old age security, is going to make sure you don't have any clawback, right? You don't, you're trying to avoid the clawback because it's something that people hate uh, and they're always hamstrung a little bit by decisions around old age security when it comes to taking additional income. So um, that's worth exploring. So if you're coming up to age 65 and you want uh, some advice in terms of your old age security deferral, uh, I think the planner should be able to give you some what-if scenarios to show here's what it would look like if you used your other sources, here's what it would look like if you started it now, and here's what it would look like if you waited to age 70. So worth exploring. We've had lots of discussions about deferring Canada pension plan as well, and old age security kind of falls into the same category in terms of the overall strategy. Thanks. So I'm going to flip it over a little bit to to Don for the rest of this section, just to talk about uh, where we are in terms of the current markets and uh, some thought process around different strategies we should be considering for investments. Yeah, thanks, Andy. And you know what? Yeah, I can't tell you how often we hear questions about the Canada Pension Plan, and mainly because I think most people feel that it will be, they know it can be delayed. There's a lot of talk of taking it early, so then also they know they can be delayed. But that same thinking isn't often talked about old age security. And so it is probably one of the overlooked areas. And then people say, oh, it's not that much money. Well, you know what? Uh, about $615 a month right now. And and it can be, of course, uh, delayed. So we, I know personally, and I'm sure you're in the same boat, we, we have clients that have delayed getting their OS because they're still working. And, uh, and then on the same token, I've had clients just automatically sign up for OAS thinking they had no choice and they didn't ask anything. Um, and, I've, and I've been since found out that they, they may have uh, already signed the forms to get it. And so I have had some actually reverse it before they get that first payment so that they can still work and collect their, um, collect their, they won't get the claw back and they'll get even a larger amount later. So, yeah, we could go a whole show just an old day security, but uh, definitely should be something that is part of your overall plan and it should be a discussion uh, with your financial planner. And if not, you should certainly get a second opinion and we'd be happy to talk to you. But uh, going to the markets, it's, uh, it's interesting. 
you know, things have changed a lot. Andy and I have been here since uh, 1985 for me, and I think you're 84, 1984, Andy. Correct. And so it's, it's been a while, and it's kind of interesting. If you go back to 1991, that's like six or seven years we were in the business, and you said, okay, uh, the client would say, okay, and this is kind of interesting. They often would say, okay, what kind of returns can we get? And if they wanted a 7% rate of return, pretty easy at the time because interest rates were about 7%. You didn't have to take any risk. You could just invest your money in a GIC or any fixed income type of investment and get 7%. That being said, inflation was higher. So the real rate of return wasn't anything special, wasn't, wasn't as good as, as it could be. However, some people just look at the nominal rate of return, simply what, it, what am I getting? And so the, the, the risk was only 1.1%, meaning... The, you would get 7%, up or down 1% per year. So you might have a bad year and only get 5.9. A good year, you get 8.1. Not a big deal. But fast forward to 2006. So we go into 2006. Now you want 7%. Not a problem. But now you have to get different assets because interest rates are lower and you have to incorporate more equity investments. And with that, the risk now is 6.7%. So that means you could have anything from a you know, negative 5% up to a plus 20% in any given year. And so now you're seeing the volatility go up. And that's, that really is what risk is. Now, here we are in 2021, and people say, okay, now how do I get 7%? Well, you certainly can't do it by having fixed income. With uh, long-term Canadian bonds paying 1.5%, um, as our discussion earlier with Scott's mortgage, you know, interest rates are very low. I know they've gone up a little bit, but, yeah, you're not going to get anywhere close to 7%. So you have to have even more involved investments. And I'm going to go through a different, different types of those. But if you look at it very similar to a, a pension fund, that's how they're trying to run their money, and it's trying to reduce the risk as much as possible. But no, now you've got to look at the risk not simply in one-year chunks. You've got to look in longer, longer-term chunks. So now to get that same... Um, 7%, now the volatility is 17.3% ups and downs per year. So that means you could have as much as a negative 28% one year and as much as a plus 40% another year. So that's called, there, there's the risk. And so at the end of the day, you definitely need somebody to make sure they are well-versed in how to manage your, kind of your comfort level. And your expectations, too, because if you want 7%, this is what you're going to get along with it, is that kind of volatility. And so, and this is so important. Andy just touched on, on life expectancy and, and how important it is to have that risk of living a long time and longevity risk. And right now, men will live on average about 82, women 86. It wasn't, you know, I can tell you when we started – that age 72 for men was pretty normal. So just in our, our career, we've seen it go from 72 to 82, and women are even more. And it's not uncommon to see people live into their 90s. In fact, um, both my parents are in their 80s right now, and hopefully they're, they're not in any, as far as I know, and hopefully, knock on wood, they're, they're here for quite a bit longer. And talking about that 100 is not outside the realm now. And so longevity risk is definitely part of the risk that you've got to look at, in which case you have to look at your overall asset allocation. Part of that allocation, by the way, is just what Andy was talking about. 
that one of those prongs being the pension, the government pensions. And how do you, how do you maybe defer that to 70? Might be part of it if it could be part of your plan. So things have changed a lot. Since 1991, yeah, you know, there's a stockbroker, and they were trying to pick stocks and trying to know this stock's going to do better than that stock. Well, by 2006, then they got into mutual fund pickers. This mutual fund was better than this mutual fund, and you should move it from here to there. Well, 2021, if you're not a certified financial planner, um, honestly, folks, I would not be listening to anybody that isn't a CFP. I would go that far. You, they have to be fully engaged in all the rules of a financial planner, and that is the at least 40 hours a year on maintaining that status, and not to mention the, you know, the basically fiduciary duty that we talked about earlier that a CFP has to have. And going forward, what will it be? Well, who knows? It, uh, there's a lot of uh, artificial intelligence. It might be decision optimizing. might be you know, a financial curator, whatever the case is. At the end of the day, you, it, it's going to be always better for the client. So right now, you think, okay, well, perhaps you are dealing with a very good financial planner, and that's great because part of a financial planner, is they're adding a lot more, as Scott mentioned earlier, than simply the investments, by far. There's, that's actually one of the easier parts of our job, to be honest. The harder part is all the tax planning, retirement planning, making sure they're doing the mortgages correctly, as, as Scott was mentioning. And that's what we call gamma. And you look at rebalancing a person's portfolio, that adds about a half a percent a year to their return. Behavior coach adds a one and a half percent to a person's return just by making sure they're not selling when it's low, perhaps like the last year in the pandemic, or and also maybe getting greedy and getting, you know, um, you know, GameStop <laughs> back when it was six hundred dollars. So making sure they don't get caught up in the you know gamblers kind of thinking. Then there's asset innovation um, and also spending strategies, and you know, and that's the really cash flow. All those add up to three percent extra return that a good financial planner will add to a person's return. So extremely important. And so what we end up doing is we end up really trying to focus on what is the client's outcome? What are we trying to accomplish? So interesting, uh, we, have, we deal with a lot of um, partners, and one of those partners is BlackRock. Now, BlackRock is the largest money manager in the world. They run just trillions of dollars, and they are kind of an overseer of a lot of our asset allocation right now, which means moving money around to one segment to another. And so what I mean is, uh, let's say you had 30% of your assets in Canada. Well, perhaps uh, you only should have 25% assets in Canada. We have programs now that, because of BlackRock, they would actually reduce it by 5%, and they look at this every day. But it probably, uh, they make slight changes about twice a month to try to add another layer of value to your money management. And it definitely makes a big difference. So they have... 15 people all over the world looking after the active allocation for some very innovative products that IG now operates with. And so when you're looking at active allocation, you're, you're looking at diversification, okay? How much you have in, for example, like I mentioned, Canadian, U.S., international emerging markets, ETFs, low volatility stocks. And then also you, have, you can look at the alternatives, 
private equities private and private debts. And then how much can you move those funds around? A good example is under our a very new innovative product that IG has now, which we call the iProfile Private Portfolios Discretionary, and meaning they have some discretion on how much they can move the funds around. Well, the Canadian equity pool could range from anywhere from 8% to 28% of your portfolio any given year. Uh, U.S. can be 7 to 27. Emerging markets can be anywhere from zero, but all as high as 15% of your portfolio. It is great to have this extra layer of management above simply owning a mutual fund. Because if you simply have a static fund, you're kind of, if you've got a, for example, emerging market fund, and they did fantastic last year, but who knows next year? And things do change dramatically. So looking at the first quarter, you can see exactly that's happened. Because last year, you know, certain areas did extremely well. Well, so far this year, it's actually the, it's, we're done one quarter now, and the Dow Jones is up 7.8%. The TSX is up 7.3%. The S&P 500, 5.8%. And the NASDAQ, which is basically technology stocks, 2.8%. Funny enough, last year was the exact reverse. <laughs> okay, So anybody that just kind of followed it and said, okay, I'm just going to get into the technology stocks because those are the ones doing well. Yeah, sure, they absolutely did do well last year. Now they're the worst performing quarter. The Canadian market was the worst performing, and now it's amongst the best performing. So by having this asset management, they would make these subtle changes to a person's portfolio and add another layer of return, but also some gamma. So this is why it's so important not to simply look at what the mix is, because it's, it's changing so quick. We are not that good to do this and call all our clients every day, but we do have the experts that run billions of dollars and have insight through the whole world. Everything from a climate change event, they will make changes to your portfolio. Very agile and very sophisticated techniques. At the end of the day, it's all about our clients and adding more value. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. 905-529-7165. Call and leave a message. They'll return your call. And don't forget about the website at andyanddon.com. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management, 905-529-7165. You can call now, leave a message, they'll get back to you, and check out their website at andyanddon.com. We're talking about uh, the value of advice this segment. Yeah, I just wanted to circle back as I was listening to Don's comments and talking about things like Gamma and the evolution of um, of the different products that are out there today. And it just it, it reinforced to me, and I think for listeners too, that trying to understand what is a CFP, what is the process that you get. And uh, often, uh, I'm always worried that people think, you know, they don't have enough money or they don't, they're they, they don't make enough money there's or it's too expensive and i you know the the, the reality to when you think back as don was commenting about you know 30 years ago in 1991 you could get 7% interest just with your money sitting in a bank account you know you didn't have to be that complicated it's so simple uh try and earn 7% today 
and the complexity of your portfolio has completely shifted over the last 30 years, uh, as well as the volatility. So when we think about uh, the, the value of advice, it, it, it's trying to figure out the best decisions possible when it comes to your overall financial plan, right? And, you know, when you think about, for example, today, we're worried that we've been talking about longevity. You know, if you live to age 90, if you live to 95, if you live to 100, you know, you, your assets have to be durable. You have to make sure that your investments are going to last your lifetime. And the process that you have to go through to ensure that they're durable is rigorous. It should be rigorous. And, um, you know, today, as I, so as I mentioned, you know, a portfolio 30 years ago, hardly needed any equity stocks in it. You could have almost 100% cash, no risk. Today, to get 7%, you're going to be very high on the equity scale, right? You're going to be earning uh, probably in the 80 to 90% uh, equity. And that's what's happened to individuals over the course of the last decade. Their equity assets have grown substantially as a proportion of their investments. And by nature, they've gotten more volatile and there's more risk. And so, you know, when you're I think the next big planning opportunity that people are always going to be having their back of their mind is their retirement. And we've talked about the go-go years, the slow-go years, and the no-go years. Well, what are the key planning opportunities and what are the key planning strategies that, what's your income withdrawal strategy? How are you going to execute on that and make good decisions that can enhance your overall, uh, the longevity of your portfolio, the durability of your portfolio. So one of the most important things is being able to deliver on ex- on changes, be able to deliver on execution, because you know we, we make financial decisions all the time. Think about what, what financial decisions did you make this week? It might be something simple. It might be where I bought something. Did I buy, spend money on something that we've been thinking about? Or... Uh, did we invest, invest some money? What financial decisions did you make this year? Uh, Scott was talking about his mortgage and, and the issues around dealing with a mortgage. What financial decisions have you made in the last decade? And too often, people will have good intentions. They'll think about the decisions that they should do, but because maybe they don't have enough information or they're worried about uh, making a mistake, they don't execute, right? And so the value of having quality decisions, quality, making quality financial decisions on, on your future value of your durable assets is just, it's incredible. And that it's completely shifted. And so as Don t- talked, we're just trying to match the outcomes that we're looking for with the right type of client in the terms of their risk. So if your outcome and your plan, if you need to get 7% on your overall plan over the next 20, 30, 40 years of your retirement life, what portfolio matches that? And then we'll have a discussion about what type of volatility is going to be associated with it. And then we go to the next step, which is we call it our living plan portal, our LPP. But the living plan is basically um, a the what-if scenarios that we can then layer on these different strategies, these different decisions, and demonstrate to you the quality of the decisions. Uh, and the impact that they're going to have for you over the long term. So all of this, as Don said, it kind of it, it, it put a number to it. It's about 3% a year. So if you add that on to your 7% as your target on your portfolio, and now you could average 10% growth in your net worth over time, now we're creating durable assets that are going to give you confidence in your retirement 
and, and really just constantly improving on your financial well-being. But too often, we see people have great intentions about doing things financially, but they just don't execute. And so, as I said, lots of different reasons, but at the end of the day, um, it's become more complex, it's become more complicated, and what's going to be the big differentiator is the what we call a gamma, this, this coaching that we provide, the decision-making process that we take people through. Yes, you know, rebalancing your portfolio is important. Yes, the performance is important. But that's like the parsley on the plate. It's not the steak. It's that little piece on the side. And it's, uh, uh, it's an important part. But, but that gamma that I come back to again and again is the key to making sure that the outcomes happen. And, uh, and, we, and as I said, being able to measure that now is something that's kind of proof in the pudding for clients. So don't, don't underestimate that you shouldn't be looking at a, talking to a financial planner. The value of advice is enormous to the, your, the durability of your assets and your retirement life. And, you know, how many people have had that discussion about the value advice around what you were speaking earlier of, and that's just taking your Canada pension plan, when to do it, whatever. I mean, I've heard more people have that discussion in the last year uh, just alone. So there again, value advice. And you want to feel confident about the choice. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are with us from IEG Private Wealth Management. Call them now. Leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call them now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. Finances and dementia. This sounds interesting. Yes, and uh, it's... Uh... With the aging population, we are finding this is more and more the case. So we are living longer, um, but unfortunately, there's a higher chance of people having Alzheimer's or a form of dementia. In fact, 500,000 Canadians currently are living with dementia today. And if that wasn't bad enough, that is projected to double in 10 years. So basically, right now, and it's and it's one of those things, I guess, uh, Perhaps a lot of people don't talk about too often, but uh, maybe they are. But one in five Canadians have done some caregiving with somebody with dementia. And so this came to, interesting enough, I was skiing with a friend uh, just over five years ago, and he would have been 64. And I kind of noticed a couple things were off, but he went to give us some change, because we're all chipping into the pot kind of thing, and I noticed the amount he gave back wasn't the right amount. So I sloughed it off, I corrected him. And then we were playing cards, and he was a card shark. He was very good with numbers, and we always had this hearts game. And I also noticed that his, he made a couple glaring errors that end up causing him to lose and actually causing somebody else to win because once, once somebody loses the game, the game's over. So it's like, okay, well, it turns out fast forward five years, and now he doesn't know his wife's name, and he's 69 years old. And so... You think, okay, she is a caregiver. There's a lot of, and, you know, all the power to her. But I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that if they may be going through it themselves and they don't know where to turn, 
They may be a caregiver right now. They're at the tip of it. And really there's like the 10 warning signs of Alzheimer's is memory loss that affects the kind of day-to-day abilities and just kind of forgetting or struggling to retain any new information. Um, Number two, difficulty performing familiar tasks like making eggs, for example, or or cooking or or just getting dressed. Uh, Problems with language, forgetting words, or substituting words that don't really fit. Uh, Disorientation in time and space. Not, you know, not really knowing the time of the day or the day of the week, which, again, might be a pandemic thing right now because every day is kind of running into each other, but it's also kind of getting lost in familiar places. Um, impaired judgment, not recognizing medical problems that need attention or wearing the wrong type of clothing for the given temperatures that are out there. The one that really sticks out, one of the first ones is abstract thinking. Numbers is a very early warning sign for Alzheimer's, and, again, that's what the case was with my, my good friend. Uh, misplacing things, putting things in the wrong spots. Uh, number eight, changing mood and behavior, going through different mood swings. And changing of the personality, all of a sudden the person isn't the same person. And last, of, and, um, last but not least, number 10, loss of initiative. All of a sudden you start to not call your friends or you just don't want to do your favorite things such as golf or play tennis or, or whatever you happen to be able to do or you love to do. And so those are kind of early warning signs. So if any of those kind of, you kind of check that box and you may want to see somebody about that. Now, thankfully, there is an Alzheimer's Society that does fantastic work. I also can speak through this uh, through my mother-in-law's eyes because I guess my wife's grandmother also had passed away due to Alzheimer's. And so she, she went to the Alzheimer's Society because there's a lot of guilt that goes involved with this and getting involved in trying to correct your, your parents in this case. And almost, it's very tough. And so they are fantastic. They are an incredible society. I can't say enough about them from, and again, I'm hearing this secondhand. So she just said they're extremely helpful. They, uh, so I would reach out to the local chapter and ask some questions. So um, certainly you can go on the internet and find out where they are. But we are offering April 20th at 3 p.m. That's a Tuesday in a couple weeks. We are offering a webinar that is available to any of our clients and anybody, period. All they have to do is contact us. And we will give them the link to listen to this and watch this um, webinar. And we're going to have some fantastic speakers. First of all, our president and CEO, Damon Merchinson, will be the kind of the MC and, and going over the, the start of this. Um, fantastic. It, mainly because this is one of our major initiatives is to create awareness of Alzheimer's. Uh, number two is uh, we, are, we are having Christine Van Kallenberg, and we've had her on the air before doing our show with us. She is incredibly knowledgeable. She's our VP of Tax and Estate Planning. And trust me, when it comes to anything, any change of any type of uh, health, etc., money is also part of it. And making sure there's no financial abuse of elders, which is also comes up, power of attorneys. And so there's a lot of different areas that really should be considered when looking at a person's finances and Alzheimer's. They do link to each other quite closely. And finally, we also have this uh, lady, Wendy, and she has a long history of dementia care, and she's going to have firsthand experience in what she's done with her, with her knowledge, and again, kind of give uh, some first steps. So I think this is a, 
a huge opportunity for any of our listeners because I have a feeling if you haven't been touched by Alzheimer's now, I think you will in the future. Um, the longevity is a great, a great benefit of um, science and, and our healthcare system that we're all living longer and eating better. Unfortunately, we, there's no cure to Alzheimer's now, and it doesn't matter if you're fit and doing everything right, as my good friend was. He was one of the most fittest people, and watch what he ate more than anybody I know. Unfortunately, it was unfair, but he's got, he had dementia. Mm. So there's no do this and you're not going to get it kind of thing. It is just one of those things, and I do suggest reach out to Andy and I, and, and we'll send you the link and so you can listen and watch this webinar. And we'll have more information on that uh, in the coming weeks. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. You can listen to old shows there and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Thank you, gentlemen. Another informative week. Take care. Thanks, Thanks Scott. Scott. See you, Don. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.